Hey. Yo, yo. Welcome to the Fast God Stuff podcast, where we make biblical theology simple, practical, and fun so that we can love God and others more. I'm Conrad, and my wife and I eat at the same Mexican restaurant three days a week. What? And I'm Jesse, and I have a nephew named Felix. We're just two guys trying to follow Jesus, hanging out in the studio with our Bibles in... We take just 30 minutes to chat about a theological topic and renew our minds with the good things of Christ. It's Fast God Stuff! So what are we talking about today, Conrad? Today we're going over the top mistakes that Christians make. Two, three, four, top Top mistakes that Christians make, oh yeah. Top mistakes that Christians make, oh yeah. Stop making mistakes. So the reason why we're going over this topic is uh, a lot of us Christians, we make a whole ton of mistakes and the worst mistakes are the ones that we actually don't know that we're making. Mm. And those mistakes oftentimes lead to sin. So what's a mistake that Christians make? So the first mistake I think that Christians make is they pray for God's will. Now that sounds really crazy that I'm saying that, but let me, yeah, let me explain it for a sec. So what is God's will? God's will really is whatever God commands us to do. And so when people are asking God, like they're praying for God's will, they're basically saying, God, what have you commanded us to do? And you know what? Wouldn't it be cool that if when God told someone his will, that they'd write it down so that other people could read it? And maybe throughout the centuries, when God spoke to other people like prophets or apostles, that maybe they'd also write down God's will. And then maybe we could combine these recordings into something like like a book. And maybe when we combine his words into a book, we might even want to call this book something like maybe like the words of God or maybe even something shorter like God's word. (laughs) I think I'm picking up what you're throwing down. (laughs) So why would God make it that easy? Okay, forget about this imaginary, easy to reference book that you could have on your phone. A better way to find God's will and God's commands is to pray about it so that he could show it to us through our feelings. So we're really making two mistakes here. The first mistake is ignoring scripture, which is now completely, which should be t- totally obvious. But the other mistake that we're making is, not, is a theological mistake, is, of not, uh, is not understanding our own sin. Because what other voices are we also hearing from? We're hearing from the three enemies of the believer, which are, you know them. Tell me, tell they me what the enemies are. The flesh, also known flesh. as uh, the sinful nature. The Satan and also the world. So anytime that we're praying for God to tell us his commands through our feelings, well, we're basically saying, God, uh, I, w- I need to hear your voice. But at the same time, we're hearing from three other voices and which are oftentimes the loudest. So let's say you punch me in the face. Right? All right. <laughs> so what am I supposed to do according to God's word? Well, God's word would say you should turn the other cheek. Okay, so now that's God's word. Let's throw that out for a sec and say, well, okay, we're not going to look to God's word to to get his will. Now, God, uh, Jesse just punched me in the face. Now, I'm not going to look at your word. God, I'm praying about your will, and I want you to speak through my feelings, and then whatever I'm feeling is now going to be God's will. But what am I feeling? I don't like this example anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I want to punch you in the face. Right, exactly. <laughs> or kick you in the teeth, you know, one, one of those two things. Um, maybe the throat, uh, any of those things. So that is basically what Christians end up doing when they pray for God's will. They take, because they're sincere about it, they think whatever feelings they're going to have is therefore God's will. Mm. So what Christians end up doing is replacing God's will with their will, Satan's will, or the world's philosophies and calling it God's will. So that is like the, 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 the you know, one of the worst things that we can do as Christians. So uh, a couple a couple verses to kind of back my, stu- my stuff up here. 
second me. yeah second timothy 3 16 says all scripture is breathed out by god that the man of god may be complete equipped for every good work every good work to do god's will every good work and then the other thing about the sinful nature is romans uh, 7 18 for i know that good itself does not dwell in me that is in my sin- sinful nature for i have the desire to do what is good but i cannot carry it out so that's that's the big mistake that uh, we end up making um, but so, but what is the, the big application in all this? So there's about a million commands in the Bible, right? And then it's just like, well, there's no way that we can memorize all, all these commands. And it, you know, somebody cuts you off in traffic and you're like, okay, well, well, I need to flip through the entire Bible to figure out what to do. What is my will for when I get cut off in traffic? A- exactly. And, and what, it, what do I do for something super specific like that? Right. But every single command in the Bible actually have the same goal. And um, God didn't have like a gazillion million commands for us with all different goals. They all had the same goal. And Christ actually explained what the ultimate command, the ultimate goal is when he was asked whether this was the greatest commandment. When he replied, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now listen to this part. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So he said Every command in scripture, 10 commandments, all these other things, love your wife, you know, whatever. It's all about loving God and loving others. So Jesse, you you know what? I'm going to tell you what God's will for you is right now. I don't even know if I'm ready. God's will for you, Jesse, is to love God and love others. Really? Yes. That's what God's will is for you. It just seems so straightforward. Yeah. And isn't that crazy that Christ would sum it, uh, like sum it up like that for us? But Christians just they just make it so hard, and they've just been taught so long that you have to pray for God's will. Now, of right. course, prayer is, a, uh, is, a, is an important thing, and we'll get into in, later on the, in, in the podcast today what we should be praying for, but we should not be praying for God's will. We should be seeking God's will, and then prayer comes in in a, in a later step. So um, to, uh, to kind of give you a practical sense of what all this stuff is, love God really is praise, thanks, and obedience— and then loving others is providing for their spiritual and physical needs. Right on. Yeah. So um, so my 15-second Fast God stuff summary of this whole point is God didn't make it hard to obey him. He gave us his word, which we read, not feel. Trying to feel God's will leads us to disobedience due to our sinful nature. And we can simplify God's will when we understand that all the commands of the Bible have the same goal, which is to love God and love others. So, Jesse, that's my top mistake. What about you? So a mistake that I see Christians making is thinking that the Bible is a book that's all about us, when in reality, it's a book that's all about Jesus. Ah, good point. And that's because Jesus is God's selfie. It's the way that he is revealing himself, exegeting in like the big theological term, explaining who he is. So that's why in the Old Testament, we read about Jesus as he's predicted. When we get to the New Testament, we see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that Jesus is revealed to us. When we get to the Acts and the Apostles, we see that Jesus is being proclaimed. When we read the epistles, the letters that the Apostles are writing to all the churches, Jesus is being explained. And we get all the way to Revelation, all the way at the end of the book, we find that Jesus is expected. So all the way through, we're finding that God is explaining himself through Jesus. That is the primary purpose of the Bible, all the way through. And we have to remember that because the Bible is written to a specific people, to a specific time, that it is for us, but it's not written to us. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah. It's like uh, yeah. reading somebody else's mail, right? Yeah, like Paul was writing to the Ephesians or to exactly. the Philippians. So there's plenty of stuff that we can learn through what he's writing, but it's written to a people and for us. 
So it's really important that we don't read ourselves into the Bible. We don't put our context, yeah. our situation into the Bible when it really wasn't written to us. But again, it was written for us to be a, a, to be a blessing to us. So here's what the Bible says about proper contextualization of what's written in it. This is from Second Peter. And this is Peter, the Apostle Peter, Peter, the great Peter, writing about Paul. And he says, there's some things in Paul's letters that are hard to understand. I can totally identify with yeah. that. Which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do to other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. So the bottom line is, we don't want to be unstable. We don't want to be ignorant. So we need to understand what the Bible says in its proper context. I like how he phrases that. If you take this stuff out of context, you will, what, what does it say? Twist to your own destruction. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's like a real warning. So here's an example of like how sometimes as Christians, we do this really poorly. And we make this mistake. So let's say that you have like a really bad day, Conrad. Like mm -hmm. you spill coffee on yourself on the way to work. You hit all the red lights. Your boss is super annoying. And you think, I need to find the Holy Word of God, a way that this contextualizes and emphasizes my great tragedy of this day. Yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Oh, yeah. When, when somebody in Costco brings out their checkbook instead of their <laughs> debit card when it's 2017. The dreaded che Costco <laughs> checkbook. No. So you might go to the Psalms and you might find this verse in Psalm 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head, especially in Costco. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. It sounds great. But the problem is, if you do not understand the context of that verse, you will fail to realize that David penned that when Absalom, his son, was trying to hunt him down and kill him. He was in a cave saying, God, yeah. <laughs> I trust you with my life, not just my patience, not just that I'll have a really good day at work or be super so productive. It wasn't just Absalom wouldn't go down for a nap. No, Absalom was trying to put David down for a permanent nap. So the bottom line is we just do not understand the Bible when we take it out of context. So the best thing we can do is, of course, always ask that the Holy Spirit would illuminate our minds, the scriptures. That's one of the things that God has promised us, that the Holy Spirit will lead us into truth. The second is use all these great resources that are available to us. Go to BibleGateway.com where you can find all kinds of resources that will give you some context of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Or use Olive Tree, which is a really great app for all your mobile devices that will set the biblical passage right next to some wonderful commentary. Yeah, and a lot of study Bibles will have all that stuff at the beginning of the book. So good. Yeah, it'll say who wrote it, to whom they wrote it, and why they wrote it. The study Bible is your friend. We love it. The other thing you can do is a really great book is the, called The Most Misused Verses in the Bible oh. by Eric uh, Bergerhoff. Berger. So good. So here's the 15-second Fast God stuff summary. The Bible is a book about Jesus and not us. So that means we should strive to understand the scriptures in the proper context. And we do that by asking not, what does this passage mean to me? But instead asking, what does this passage say about God and what he has done? Nice, I like it. So what about you, Conrad? Hit me with another mistake that Christians make. So another mistake I see Christians making is when they say they're stepping out in faith. And I hear that a lot. And again, it sounds like I'm being crazy, but give me, uh, give me a sec to explain. Heresy. <laughs> so, so really, when <laughs> Christians say that they're stepping out in faith, it's code for doing something unwise while still trying to sound spiritual. So like a couple of examples, like you'll, you'll hear somebody like, I'm going to quit my job, even though I don't have anything lined up because I'm going to step out in faith. 
or like corporately you'll hear churches or not-for-profits or whatever going oh we don't have enough money to build a building or do this project whatever but we're going to step out in faith so basically we're going to do something totally unwise and that's totally dumb but we still want to call it spiritual and we're going to use the word faith it just sounds so good yeah exactly and so um because you're still using biblical jargon but you're just you're using an incorrect definition of it so here's an analogy for what truth faith is okay so you have two people in front of you who and you're you're dying who do you have more faith in to save your life a doctor that you know has saved hundreds and hundreds of lives and you're in the exact same situation as those other hundred people or some random guy at walmart who are you going to have more faith in why do i feel like all your your examples <laughs> are, are so like morbid and me, me punching you in the face i want to trust a doctor who seems like he's done something he's yeah save people yeah for all we know that that um the guy in walmart could be the greatest doctor ever but sure, we don't true. know anything about him right so the thing is you can have more faith in what you actually have accurate data in so um where do we get this accurate data for our faith in romans ten seventeen, it says so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So the accurate data that we get is the word of Christ. And then uh, in James 2.17, it um, explains faith a little bit further saying, so also by faith itself, if it does not have works is dead. So not, it's, th- this is basically saying you can't just have the accurate data. You actually have to act upon it for actually, for it to actually be real faith. And actually there's, a no- there's another segment in there for accurate data. So you, uh, true biblical faith is three things. You have to have the accurate data, then you have to put trust in that data with your heart, and then you, then you have to act upon that data. So this data, again, is God's word. So faith really is just three things. It's knowing God's word, trusting in God's word with a true heart, and obeying God's word. And so if you're missing any one of those three things, it's actually not faith. So like we already went over, if you're missing the last thing of the works part of it, no, the knowing and trusting does you no good unless if you actually obey the, the right. command and act on it or it's dead faith. If you have the knowing of the data and you obey it, but your heart is not in it, that's just legalism. That's just like whenever you tell you know, like some kids say, oh, tell your brother, say you're sorry. I'm sorry. And they don't mean it. Are they really sorry? Right. No. It, and then so, not. yeah, we, we all we can all do it, too. And just in our normal lives, if we just kind of follow the rules and we don't really do it for God. And then the third thing is. Uh, if we don't have the, the accurate data, but we have a whole lot of heart and we have a lot of sincerity and we mean well, and we do a whole lot, basically what were we doing? We're just acting out on feelings where it's emotionalism. And when we're acting on feelings, that's when Christians call it stepping out in faith. So, and, you, and you can be sincerely wrong, I guess. Exactly. And that's exactly what Christians do. And it's not just, we're not just the crusades or, you know, people bombing the working place. It's, Christians getting on Facebook and being annoying and jerks to a bunch of non-Christians or other Christians, and they think that what they're doing is right, but they're not basing it in Scripture of what God actually wants them to do. So it's not true faith if you're just ignoring Scripture and being disobedient. So what is the application in all this? So most people kind of go, okay, so God, you gave us the general command, love God and love others and stuff, but you didn't tell us the, the specifics, like how I'm supposed to, you know you know, treat my wife on a Thursday or my kids when they, you know, throw up at Red Robin or something. So that's when I need to step out in faith and just kind of do something. But the data, the accurate data, the command that you're actually missing is the command to seek wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask of it, 
Proverbs 15, 22 is, I think is a big one is it says without counsel plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. So basically without this counsel that Proverbs is talking about, you, you're just acting on your own feelings. You're, right. igno- you're disobeying these verses for one thing. And then now you're replacing this accurate data with whatever feelings you have and you're basing your stuff off of that. So um, the practical, you know, the application in all this is just obey these verses, obey the verses to seek just wisdom. Just do it. So, but there's a bunch of different, you know, uh, different departments of life. So the different departments of life that you need to seek wisdom are, um, let's see, uh, spiritual, spiritual wisdom, uh, relationship wisdom, like, um, like marriage and, um, and with kids, financial and health. Um, so that's like right medical on. nutrition and exercise. So, and when we're talking about this stuff, we, you know, like, especially about like your health, we're talking about a real doctor. We're not talking about Dr. Google or Dr. Facebook blog link, you know, no, no web MD. <laughs> yeah. So we're looking Put for, or it's even worse than the web MD. Like you just see Christians posting all sorts of crazy blogs sure. that have no, you have no idea what their methodology was for the research and their studies. And you have no idea what their sources were. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm the expert because I did two hours of Google research versus a doctor that had, you know, has a degree in this and has gone to school forever and actually understands all this stuff. Now paging Dr. Conrad. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so what we need to do is when we're looking for wisdom, you need to find experts in that particular field. Right on. So um, ask yourself, who are your expert coaches in spiritual matters, relationship matters, financial matters, and health matters? Right on. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here's my 15 second get fast God stuff summary. Give me the summary. Stepping out of faith is really just a nice way of saying that one is disobeying God's command to surround oneself with wisdom and advisors. So walking in true biblical faith is three things, knowing God's word, having the heart of it, and obeying it. So to carry out God's general commands, you must obey the verses to seek wisdom by surrounding yourself with experts. That is biblical That was so good. That was definitely worth the price of mission of this podcast, which was zero. Is it? How much did I pay for this? I don't know. <laughs> I got gypped. <laughs> okay, so what is your, what is a second mistake that you see Christians so making? awful. By the way, I appreciate that on this podcast, we're not afraid to go to the Crusades. We'll go there if we want to. No, no. Yeah, that's fine. That's just, we'll do it. That's just how we do. So yeah. speaking of the exact... But I, did, you, did you notice I almost equated the Crusades and going on Facebook and posting ridiculous stuff? I loved every second of that <laughs> comparison. So speaking of the exact opposite of the Crusades, one of the mistakes that I see Christians make is going to church rather than being the church. Oh. And this is just a classic mix-up of understanding the difference between consuming something and being part of a family. So here's the deal. God is all about community. He's community in himself, in the Trinity. And when God saves a person, he ordinarily and naturally and necessarily draws them into being part of a family. This is what Paul says about this, because even the church and uh, Ephesians, they were asking this exact same question. So he writes there, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So every Christian belongs with every other Christian as part of a family. That's just the definition. That's just like the minimum acceptable, allowable participation when you come to believe in Jesus Christ and be part of the work that God is doing in his kingdom. So following Jesus is always a team sport. And here's how I like to think of it. 
The real Christian knife is like a bicycle with two pedals. I guess like all bikes actually have two pedals. And I think about it, but you, you could have one. You could. It's just like a one pedaled bike, like the <laughs> or, circular bike. You could, or you could just go downhill. That's true, actually. <laughs> so if you don't want to go downhill and you'd actually go in a straight line, here are the two pedals of the Christian life. The first is a fancy term called orthodoxy. So that's right thinking. It's what we were just talking about before, getting the right context, understanding what God's word says truly. But the second pedal is just like it, but slightly different. And that is right living. And that's called orthopraxy. So the idea of that, we need to work out our faith. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) This has been your Bible nerd segment on Fast God Stuff. So the bottom line is, we need to both know the Bible well and then act it out well. And the only way we can do that to actually prove to ourselves and show that we are growing in the fruit of Christ is to live amongst one another, to rub shoulders together and to see how that fruit is being grown in our lives. So that means that when we treat the church as a place where I'm a a participant, I don't just show up because I want to hear a sermon or sing some good songs. I'm interested in being part of the family. And being part of the family means you're interested in people's lives. You want to serve the Lord. You want to go after him and you want to be a part that's productive of the body of Christ. Yeah. And I think the body of Christ thing is like the key, because if you think of the body of Christ, it's like, well, you're, you're there to do something. And if you are the hand and then you just go to church and then you just want to consume and you don't want to actually be part of the body of Christ, well, then somebody has to make up for you not being the hand. And now you have somebody who's like the, the elbow or the eyeball trying to do hand stuff and it's just not going to work. And so all these other people are being overloaded because you're not doing your job. So yeah, it's just trying to be the body of Christ and not only the body of Christ, but there, I, I was uh, like a bunch of people use that one verse of, uh, you know, forsake not the, the gathering of the saints. Right. But um, they also forget the other part of that, uh, that passage where it says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So that's part of the gathering of the saints is to encourage one another to actually do something and actually be a part of the body of Christ, not right just on. consume. Dude, what if you're the elbow of the body of Christ? Yeah. I love that because like, <laughs> think if you didn't have an elbow, like it seems like such a mundane thing. But it is tremendously important. So like if you were just like walking around and you went outside your house and by your mailbox, there was just like a like an arm just laying there on the road. Like I know it's super grotesque, but in a way, that's exactly what Paul is saying. Like a body, if you see a body without an arm or an arm just lying on the ground, you immediately know that something is wrong and that it's missing the larger part of who it is, that it's it can't function properly and that the body itself is missing function because it's gone. And that's actually what he's saying about the the church. Yeah. Or you, the, to use your example, you could just be a dismembered hand sitting at home when you, <laughs> you should be a part of the body of Christ. And you're just sitting there bleeding everywhere. You're bleeding all over your family. I just love that in the example. You're just sitting at home, like of all the possible places. <laughs> yeah. You're comfortable, but you're not part of the body of Christ. Like you're not bearing fruit. You're not being fruitful at all. Right. So here's how I recommend we can stop being consumers and start being participants, which is what Paul and is what Jesus requires us, expects us to do. Uh, The first is I would say like assess how you think about the church. Like, are you just a consumer? Do you just show up? Do you just hang out? Speak with your elders about church membership. If you're not a member of your church, you should definitely check that out. And then go and join a small group or start a small group or even better, Don't pray, hey, God, should I be a part of the ministry of the church? Just know the answer is yes, and go and try some ministry. Go join the choir, go be a part of music, go watch the kids in nursery, or go help the people in the back who are running sound or doing the AV stuff. Go and help be a part of the church. Yeah, and something uh, I like is is the small group thing. So even if you just join some random small group, 
and you're basically looking for people that you could be encouraging to. And sometimes small groups, yeah, they, they discussion and stuff like that. But a lot of times it actually ends up almost kind of being like a group therapy where you're getting together and, you know, it's like, hi, my name's Conrad. I'm a sinner, you know, and then you, you talk about, you know, stuff and like the, the problems in your life and basically how Christ is the answer. And then, you know, other people are doing that too. And then in a small group, you get into that context and you actually get to know people. Right. And then you actually end up starting to be able to pray for them and go, Hey, what do you need? And you, you start to get involved in other people's lives more than, you know, and doing the nursery is great and like the parking ministry and stuff. But I think small group is really where you really start to connect with people and make a difference. Absolutely. I love being a part of small groups and I'm the same way at the end of small group. Like I'm all fired up for the Lord. Like I've been encouraged. I've been challenged. I've really good friends in a sense, true fellowship. We use that word all over the place, but really true fellowship only has a Christian dimension to it. It's meant exclusively to be used for God's people because it is both a communing beyond the mundane, like how's your sports team do? And what's the weather doing these days mm -hmm. to like, here are the real things that I'm going through in life. I need yeah. somebody to help me, somebody to encourage me. So after we're done with like our small group, like I just want to get up and run through a wall. <laughs> I'm ready. Like I love that the Lord gives us a community. Even if you're an introvert, you were made for community. So here's the bottom line. Here's like the 15 second fast God stuff summary. It's a mistake to think that being an active part of the local church is optional. Active participation with a local group of Christ followers is the way to raise the flag of faith and live as God intended, receiving the spiritual blessings of community and humbly serving one another. It's not much of a lead there. <laughs> that lead was so tight. <laughs> we'll do some leads at the end of the show here. <laughs> okay, so those, those are our four things. Our four mistakes that uh, we went over, and so now let's let's wrap up. What what did uh, let's go over what I learned from you and what you learned from me. So here's one of the things that I learned today that that was great that you spoke about, and that was this idea that we really cannot appropriately seek God's will for our lives until we seek the will that He's already disclosed for us in Scripture that He's made really plain. And it sounds like the problem sometimes is not that God hasn't been clear with His will and we've left, left it untested, but rather that we've decided we just don't want to do that, what he, which he's made clear, and we'd rather have it our own way. Mm -hmm. So how about, what did you learn today? Okay, so, so the Bible is not about us. So I, I like that because it really forces, it reminds me that before I do like my normal devotions and stuff, and I read Ephesians or wherever I'm at, that I actually need to figure out the occasion that um, why Paul wrote it. And that I just kind of need to have that handy, even though if I kind of know it, that I really should go over it first and then do my devotions. So I think it's a good reminder for me just to, to make sure that I'm cognizant even before I do something as simple as devotions. Right on. And one of the things I think I'm going to work on a little bit this week is in speaking about the will of God, we know that he wants us to bear that fruit of the spirit, peace, patience, kindness, understanding, mm -hmm. all that stuff. And I've realized that even in my own life, especially with my relationships, even with my wife, I can be more patient. I can stand to be more patient on a number of occasions and just connecting the dots for me. But that that is God's will for my life. Something really liberating. Yeah. It's a lot of freedom in realizing that. Yeah. And actually, um, that is the whenever I say faith is knowing God's word, believe and having the heart of God's word and doing God's word. I usually put uh, fruit of the spirit in having the heart of God's word. Right. Because you might not know what you're supposed to say to your wife, but you know how to say it with 
with the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and all that stuff. So let's sum up this entire podcast. God's will and walking in faith is, has three parts, knowing God's word, having the heart of it, and obeying it. So number one, knowing God's word, his ultimate will, which is to love God and others. Loving God is praise, thanks, and obedience. Loving others is providing for their spiritual and physical needs. Then you apply that command to your specific situation by first praying for and having the right heart, the heart of Christ, by having the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, etc. in that situation. And then thirdly, you, find, you figure out how to apply God's will by obeying the other command to seek wisdom through both prayer and consulting experts. That is how we can live a life pleasing to God. Well, that's all the time that we have for today, Conrad. Aww. Make sure you subscribe and rate the Fast God Stuff podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you like to podcast. Also, check out FastGodStuff.com for all kinds of content that will make you want to eat at a Mexican restaurant three days a week. Mm, enchiladas. Until next time, love God. And love others. That's, that's it. it. Two, three, four. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. To our awesome podcast. It's hard to believe that we're so good. It makes you want to eat Mexican food. Enchilada. Time for a song, Jesse. Your turn. Amazing. Listen to Jesse go. He's the worst leader of this church. My turn! Take us away, Conrad! So pretty. The Fast God Stuff Podcast. Thanks for listening.